Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. This is Ursula Odom, your host for NABWIC Talks. And we are in a wonderful season right now. This is a season where families get together and businesses refresh by enjoying the festivities of Thanksgiving and then Christmas and all the other holidays that happen around this time. And what I love about it is that because I am also CEO of Sula2 and we capture, preserve, and present your legacy information in any form we can, that means this is the time we start hearing about stories and life lessons learned and, and all the legacy information that floats around just on a whim with good food and great conversation. This is the time that you begin to reflect on the good things that have happened. And that's what this show is all about. We talk about the successes of the people that are associated with NABWIC or that we would like to have associated with NABWIC. And that's what we're doing today. My guest today is Logan, and she's the Executive VP of General and General Counsel for the Florida Education Fund which is a nonprofit that creates and implements educational programs for underrepresented groups. In addition to handling legal matters, Logan is the web she handles the web applications and database developer. She is the developer and directs the pre-college programs, which include after-school summer STEM camps for Florida middle and high school students. Now she's she earned her B.A. from Fisk University and J.D. from Harvard. And earlier this year, she was named a Businesswoman of the Year by Tampa Bay Business Journal. Good morning, Ms. Logan. Good morning, Ms. Odom, and uh, good morning to everyone, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And thank you, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Now, I write... And when I hear your name, I'm going to say something that's so not original, I'm sure. But Lyra <laughs> Logan sounds so poetic. <laughs> so tell me about the name first. Yes. So tell me about your name first, and then we'll talk about all these wonderful things that you've done. 
Definitely, definitely. Um, I, I love the story because my name is um, – I have a couple of stories about it, but uh, very briefly. My name is derived from my mother's name, which was Laura, L-O-R-A. And so they just um, – she didn't want it to be exactly that. She just wanted some sort of derived from that, so Laura to Lyra. Um, but the quick story is that I was born in a Catholic hospital, and um, and the nurses, because it also sounds like Italian money, the lira, which is the Italian money, um, there was a little bit of an uproar in the hospital, and they kept saying, "Oh, you can't name that child after money." But um, but we went, they went ahead and and clung to the name just because it meant so much to my parents that I'd be named close to my mother's name. Well, that's wonderful. I love those stories, and I have similar stories of my own with myself being named for my grandmother and, yes, and my daughter as well. So I I feel that to be a place of honor when you have a name like that because it's an everlasting love that they've placed on you. So that's great. Exactly. Now tell exactly. me about yeah. the education. Tell me about the Education Foundation. What is that, and what do you do, and how does that work? Okay, yes. Yeah. So we're the Florida Education Fund. I've been with the entity for over 20 years, and, and the Florida Education Fund has been around since 1984. And our major program is a doctoral fellowship program that you may have heard of. It's called the McKnight Doctoral Fellowship Program, designed to increase the number of um, underrepresented uh, people with PhDs in our university system in Florida. So we're statewide, and, and again, that is our main program. And then we have a lot of what we call pipeline programs to just make sure that we always have a steady stream of students who are prepared and motivated to go on to higher education um, so that we can always have the, the, the fellowships and the, uh, for PhDs. And those fellowships usually provide um, tuition and stipends and academic um, support, writing support, um, professional development support, and and very successful with our students um, getting out and earning their PhDs in five years, which is way below the national average. And um, uh, we've got about an 87% um, graduation rate, which is way above the uh, national average as well. So, um, yeah, we're really proud of that program that's been around since 1984. Wow. And how do you find these students? Well, a lot of it is really through, um, in addition to advertising with the with the nine um, PhD granting institutions that we work with here in Florida, a lot of it does come through our pre-college programs, which focus, um, like the PhD fellowships, fo- focus a lot on STEM, and so we do have a lot of pre-college programs. Uh, that focus on STEM and, and get kids ready in those fields, um, sort of providing supplemental opportunities um, to school where a lot of them aren't aren't learning, um, aren't being as as well prepared for for it to go on in STEM to take the kind of courses that they'll need to go on and say get a degree in engineering or computer engineering, et cetera. So we get a lot of kids through those programs as well. Now, when you say free college programs, um, I don't know if this would even be appropriate, but that brings to mind one that I was 
that I hold dear to my heart from years ago, and it was Elbert Bound. In fact, I'm not even sure if it still exists, but are they around, and are they a part of a FIDA program for you? They do exist still, and in fact, um, we work together. We partner. I was over, actually over at USF's Upward Bound program two weeks ago um, because I was recruiting students and teams for one of our pre-college programs, which is a statewide academic, it's called a brain bowl, but it's an academic scholarship competition where middle and high school students uh, compete at a statewide meet after going through regional and county competitions in history and culture in mathematics and also in coding. And so kids come to state and win scholarships. And so, yeah, I was over at um, Upward Bound the other day. They have a strong program at the University of South Florida um, recruiting teams. Wow. And that's good to know because it meant so much to me when I was growing up. I came from the backwoods of Georgia and they found me. <laughs> and they're in my yeah, the reason I was able to go to college and ended up at Eckerd College because of it. Um, the other thing that this reminds me of um, is NAACP AXA. Are you familiar with that as well? I am familiar with it, and we um, we do a, a lot of our um, program, a lot of the coding programs that we started for youth down in Miami Dade, and we had been approached about a year ago to put together a a coding team for AXO because they do have a a STEM tech category for that. But through the years, uh, uh, through our Centers of Excellence program, a lot of the students um, have gone to AXO at the the local level and then on to nationals to showcase their talents in in a variety of of areas, a lot of music um, areas as well. So I'm familiar with AXO too. Yeah, and for those of you that are not familiar with it, it's a a program for I guess tenth grade through the first year after I mean the summer after graduation from high school, and students compete in I think it's thirty categories now from arts to STEM. Now they complete compete locally, then sometimes state, and they represent their state regardless of how the competition goes nationally, and there it's. It's like an un- unreal um, environment where there are thousands of kids from all over the country competing in these categories, and, and they're the best of the best, and it's just amazing to see. Um, and right. they get a chance to be, yeah, among a lot of celebrities as well, and it's just a very motivating experience. And I had one moment where I was going through the, the STEM area of the exhibit. I guess it was the year before last, not this last competition year, but the one before that. And I'm standing in the hall, and I hear this cheer. I mean, just unbelievably loud and joyful. So I went over there, and what had happened is a representative from NASA actually was standing with two or three of the exhibitors, students, that is, these are people that were, had competed and they were just explaining their exhibit. And on the spot, this person gave them um, Fulbright scholars, scholarships. 
and that they would work, they would be um, destined to work together. And she got on the phone and called her superior and said, I found what we've been looking for. That was just the most amazing moment to have um, these kids be given something that that wasn't a part of the competition. She was just giving something on the spot because of who they were. So I don't know if they won their competition or not. And winning didn't matter at that moment. It was what was happening to them as individuals. And I remember one particular student. NASA people. Yes. <laughs> and one particular student was there because her mother badgered her, in her words, to come. She did not want to come to National, and she did not want to compete, and she ended up being one of those students. Yeah. So well, that's a great you know, opportunity. And, and yeah, and and so when I hear what you do, and realize that you you're tapping into all of these resources, and those are the ones that I just happen to know about. So I only wonder about the 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 magnitude of your reach. Um, right. So tell me about and, and some so- stories. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I will, I, and I'll pick up with the NASA with the NASA story because we have, um, and so now that having been in existence since '84 with that PhD program, then we have this sort of built-in um, system of about a thousand uh, mentors, a lot of them in STEM, and so we do have a couple who are now NASA um, aerospace scientists, and so. Um, our aerospace engineers, and so they often come back very they have a very generous program at NASA of sending um, their their astronauts and their engineers um, back to, out into the community and so during our summer programming that we have for middle and high school students, we often have our graduates come back and talk about NASA and its careers and um, and even um, one of them actually sort of taught the um aerospace engineering that we had in one of our in one of our high school camps and he's now up in up in uh, their one of their um offices the NASA stations in um in Maryland so um they they our students do have a grand opportunity to network and 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 just see people um of color and other underrepresented people working in in STEM and some of the most exciting positions um around and that's one of the things we're able to bring to them in, in our in our in our summer program that we have around the state. So how did you get started with um your particular interest in this area? Well, who was your motivation? So my motivation was um I guess being sort of a lifelong learner. So I, I sort of come out of law school. I practice years um, uh, in sort of nonprofit law and before that in, in municipal finance, bond bond law, um, but always had sort of a creative streak, I would say, and, and, and of course, um, learned a lot of, of logic in my, in my schooling and law school. And so come out and, and, and realize that I have this interest in computer programming and coding. And so I go back to school and get several, you know, certificates in that and get, you know, get industry certified in, in, in coding, computer programming, and also in, in, you know, in web design, et cetera. And then, um, and then all of a sudden it becomes the thing to teach kids. It's sort of, it is sort of all of the, the rage now, um, 
not necessarily mm-hmm. in our communities, but um, sort of around the country, this I, this notion that kids should learn to code. I mean, some say it's the it's the the fourth R now as far as reading, writing, arithmetic, and and then um, doesn't really fit as an R, but then computer programming. And so then I realized that we really have that expertise to teach our kids, even though the schools that uh, may not be teaching our kids so that they're not left behind in learning sort of the essential skills of computer programming and sort of learning how not just to um, play with computers or use computers, but also be able to write the code and the software that, um, that makes computers work. Um, and it, and it, it's skill. It's a skill that you know. It's, it's more and more important to to business, and also very important, useful skills for folks who want to go into um, their own entrepreneurial um, uh, pursuits. And so we started about three years ago um, teaching middle school and high school kids how to code in after school programs and in summer programs where they earn uh, vendor-neutral industry certification. And so now they learn it, they learn to code within the context of really fun stuff like game design and robotics and mobile app development and um, and then sort of what they call the back end of web development where all the computer programming goes on that makes the, the websites that we visit so interactive like our Facebooks, et cetera. Um, and so they now are, they leave our programs with skills that are, you know, very marketable skills with the industry certifications um, it, so that they now have the ability to go out and, um, and, and earn middle class wages. And so we're, we're really pleased to be able to offer the programs in areas, like I say, where in the schools um, that sort of, um, they're not being taught um, these, these great skills, so. Now, how how long does it take to become proficient? Let me tell you where I'm coming from. Back okay. in the day, I actually went through a computer programming training program and ended up in the industry myself. I was a um, legacy system maintenance support coder, and then I moved into systems design and development. And okay. um, yeah, and and so we went through this intense program to learn how to code. So what what does it take today to be proficient enough to actually function in the, in the industry? It would take, um, it, it's not just going to be sort of earning the industry certification, which is what we tell our students when they start with us. Um, by the way, they now start with us in, Miami Day, but we hope to expand that soon as early as fourth and fifth grade. So we've got them working on um, learning the sort of the fundamentals of, of of computer programming while they use sort of drag and drop um, uh, development. Uh, uh, they're, they're working in development environments where they use drag and drop, where they're not actually coding yet. So it's going to take many, many years and um, of them working with us and continuing on into learning, you know, the popular languages of of today, Python and and of course JavaScript and Java itself. But it'll it'll take years and practice. Um, so 
what we're trying to incorporate in, in addition to their their learning the the basics and then going on going ahead and getting industry certified is opportunities for them to work on real projects either in internships with with businesses and that's where we need all the help we um, can get from employers that have these you know these projects that need to be worked on and of course that's not just tech businesses but all businesses um, need let's say um, interactive websites that might incorporate some JavaScript and some PHP or some of these languages that they need to learn. But it's going to take um, internships and as well as of, of just sort of basically knowing um, sort of the book knowledge of, of the skills. I was going to ask you what were the programming languages um, <laughs> because when I, <laughs> when I left the industry, it was just after Java started. And in fact, okay. I went to the first the the first Java conference out in San Francisco. I think it was, and someone from my staff actually spoke. That's exciting! So I just <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> and I still have the that. first one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the very first one. Um, their yeah. their logo was red with white writing and a black on a black bag. I I remember it was really really kind of cool. Um, but when you started talking about coding, I was just wondering, well, they probably changed to something else by now. And and in fact, I I don't recognize PHP. So that what kind of language is that? Is that what does that do versus Java? So PHP, and that's one I work with pretty extensively because I do a lot of web apps for mm -hmm. the Florida Education Fund. Uh, for instance, our we when I started there, our application process, which I guess is not so unusual because this was back in the in the nineties. <laughs> it was a paper process, <laughs> um, and so I, I you know made it an online um, application process and an online processing uh, of applications from our you know from the office standpoint and such as a, a, an entire app application that does that, et cetera. And I use um I use PHP with um with a database. It's an open source database. MySQL is where we store all the data and it, you know and, and, and the app runs using PHP and, and and MySQL. And so that's really pretty much a standard um open source programming language for the for the back end of the web what they call not the not the pretty stuff that you see or your design which comes from the html and css but but the php is sort of what's making um the interactivity and connecting you to the database and so that's a that's a pretty strong yeah. one for that um and then python okay. is all the rage for 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 many Many things now. It's another open source language. Java is 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 not a, a open source. That's an Oracle um, language. But those are two popular ones. And then there's a lot of um, different types of JavaScript now that can do some pretty powerful things on the web as well. Um, so those are sort of um, the languages now. But the beauty of programming is what what you you learned with Java and what folks learned before you with other languages is that those fundamentals um, that you learn sort of exist in all the languages, and so it's really good to, um, once you once you've known one, 
like even C++ and all those, they have very similar um, similar constructs. And so you can pick them up. And, it, and, and so 20 years from now, when we're both coding something altogether different, it will probably be with a different language. But because of the foundation um, in computer programming, you'll be able to pick that up um, as well. And I can relate to that because one of the most enjoyable things for me as a programmer was the flow charting process and the analyzation of, you know, what is this system supposed to do? And I still exactly. love that to this day. And I, I, I sometimes even use it for common everyday, everyday um, types of decision-making processes. So it's kind of fun. But I have a, a, a interesting little story about okay. COBOL and modular programming back then when okay. um, structured programming just started and you would you would code a common module to be called by multiple modules well i'm here mm-hmm. to tell you that's the first time i drank at home by myself <laughs> what happened is i had a supervisor who would not acknowledge that this one module was called by 16 different little other modules. And um, so the problem in the one module showed up 16 different times, and I tried to explain, look, once I fix this, all the other will go away. That man, he actually wrote up 16 different, I went home, had me a stiff drink for the first time ever by myself, calmed my nerves, (laughs) and went back in the middle of the night and fixed the problem. (laughs) But it was like I was so mad at him, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that um, that's what a, a lot of the reason why we start teaching the kids with that block-based drag-and-drop sort of, if you want to call them languages, so that they don't get bogged mm-hmm. down and turned off early on with the, the tedium of going in and finding that one little character or one little um semicolon that they missed that's throwing off the entire you know that's that's um causing a bug in the entire program so yeah i i that because i've many i've spent many a many a an evening looking for bugs in code but if you like puzzles if you like the analytical process that can be a thrilling experience trying to find that bug. So, you know, yes. it may turn one person off, but it may be the very thing that will um, inspire someone else to once they figure out that they can they can unravel that mystery. Right, I, I and make a, um, work. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying yes, and 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 just to see something work that they've that they've actually created themselves is, is also another another aspect seems to capture so many of, of the young people and make them want to persist into into going into um learning how to code with the actual you know, typing the actual syntax. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna take a little break and then I'll come back and there are s- several questions I still have to ask that uh, I'm curious about. Uh, you have a, a very interesting combination of things that you've experienced. So there's more to come. Listen up, everyone. Mm-hmm. 
We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Welcome back to Network Talks, and this is Ursula Odom, your host and also CEO of Sula2. And we gather, preserve, and present your legacy information in any form that we can, from books, to videos, to live presentations, and to this show. This is Network Talks, and we talk about any and everything that will support the the business process or the CETA process to the businesses that we offer as a part of a membership in, in National Organization of Business, Black Women in Construction. So this is just a, an awesome experience to be a part of, and then the people that we get to talk to. And this morning, I am speaking with Lyra Logan, and she is explaining the Florida Education Fund and the feeder programs that lead up to it, the STEM process, and we're talking about coding. And and now, I want to know about her educational experience. This wonderful person went to Fisk University and to Harvard. So, yes, I want to know what that experience was like. So, uh, Lyra, <laughs> tell me about that. Okay, so I um, did go to Fisk, and I chose Fisk because my mother, father, and brother also went, um, went through Fisk. My mother finished my father went on to the military from there and my brother ultimately graduated from Hampton but um yeah so we were a Fisk family and um always knew I was going to go there enjoyed Fisk I went after went early entrant after as an early entrant after um, 11th grade and really enjoyed it it was my first time being um, away from home, and home at that time was Hawaii. My father had been in the Air Force, and so we settled over there. So I just enjoyed um, being for the first time in an, an all-black educational environment where I knew that the teachers um, really cared about my development and nurtured it and um, and had a great had a great uh, four years in, in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where Fisk is. Uh, I majored there in English, um, always knowing that I was going on to law school. Um, had chosen Harvard Law School when I was nine, solely because of my mother's reaction to when she heard someone else had gone to the university for something. <laughs> so, 
So that then became my goal. And so I worked toward it, studied very hard, got really good grades and, you know, studied for the standardized test so that I would do well on those as well. So I went on to Harvard and enjoyed that experience as well. Um, of course, it was in a very, very, you know, in Boston, which can get very cold. So I had to, you know, adjust to that. But learned under some really good professors. Um, I had a really good support system in the Black Law Student Association there. They sort of embraced us all as um, all the uh, new and incoming first-year uh, African-American Black students they embraced and, and sort of helped us through the process. And so... Um, it was it was a great time uh, in in both in both institutions, and I learned learned a lot. Amazing. Um, one of the things you just took me back to my college days, and when you talk about early entry, we had two students that I remember that were very very young compared to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. One lost her mind, and the other succeeded. What was your key to success being that you were younger? I think it was, um, well, I know it was. Um, If you saw my mother's phone bill from back then, (laughs) (laughs) my link back back to her, and she too had gone to Fisk after her junior year in some boarding school. You know, they have a lot of boarding schools in the South for African Americans back um, in the, I guess it was the late 40s. Um, and so she had gone. She yeah. she she too had gone early. And so we just we just she just talked me through it and and kept reminding me of the goal, reminding me that of course I could do it. Never. Um, one of the things that was so beautiful in my growing up over, I guess, in Hawaii was that no one ever said, uh, you know, you can't do this or you're not supposed to be able to do this or, you know, kids can't do math or you can't do math because you're a girl or because you're black. And I was in college prep schools over in Hawaii. And um, and so she just kept that notion. She never, she, she never made me question whether or not I could you know, go ahead and, and, and reach the goals I set, which to go on to the law school I went to meant really getting um, pretty much all A's. And so she just talked me into it, <laughs> made me believe I could do it. And then I studied hard and was able to do it. And she just kept me focused and sane, I guess. So I did not lose my mind. I don't, yeah, because of her support, really. And then the other thing that fascinated me is the fact that it was one moment in time, one, a single moment, a single reaction that set the course of your life. When she reacted to someone else going to Harvard, that is profound. And I wasn't even in the room. (laughs) I just heard her. Yeah, I heard how she responded, and so... Um, yeah, that was what, because I I can tell you that, as you can see now, I'm mostly, although I am the general counsel and do the legal work for our, um, for our entity, the Florida Education Fund, I am now mostly in education, which was, had always, you know, been important to me and appealed to me as, as something that we, that we all need to stay involved with educating our children. Um, but yeah, so I'm not even sure Ursula, that law was a thing. It was just to 
go on to that school and and since i um I wasn't going to focus on on the STEM areas back then. It was go on to the law school because of of the reaction of my mother. So, yeah, one moment. That's on. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when this is just how I am when when I think of um, moments that connect, I just say them. And what this reminded me of is I was in the grocery store once. And there was this little girl that was just talking her head off. I mean, she was driving everybody nuts. And <laughs> and the adults accompanying her were telling her to just be quiet, stop talking so much, yada, 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 yada. Now, it was a risky moment for me, mind you. And I do not do this on an ordinary basis. But I turned around to those people and I said, y'all better leave that girl alone. She's going to. Make y'all rich one day, either as a speaker or as a lawyer. You, you need to leave alone. <laughs> and thank God they laughed. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's important. That we, yeah. Yeah, that we let them okay. let them express themselves and learn how to express themselves at an early age. Get out there and yeah. Yeah. form an opinion and express it. Yeah. So the the various talents that you have, I think we talked about you having a creative side. Now you were an attorney or a legal in the legal industry, and then STEM. Um, that means that you can't be put in a box based on your skills. How has that worked for you? And the reason I ask is because um, I have a creative side and a technical side, and people keep trying to put me in one box or the other. What's that been like for you as a woman, as a girl, with a variety of things that you can do? How have you managed that? You know, it's a it's a really good question because people do want to put you in a box. And so when I started, um, you know, I sort of made this turn into more tech and tech education and coding and all of that, um, a lot of people didn't didn't want to believe that I was the one that had that skill in our in our office or that I was the one that was going to lead this effort now as we you know as we are passionate about teaching our kids how to code and so I felt that the way that I needed to sort of make it plain that it was me was to go back for more education so education has always been the key for me and I think I mentioned that once I I mean I di- I didn't go and get formal certificates or or, or or degrees um, until we started this effort. Even though I've you know I've been coding since you know 1998, like when it probably quote unquote started. But you know I felt like I had to go back, Ursula, to just to prove that yes, it's me, and yes, I can do this, and I know I'm an attorney, and I'm supposed to just be doing that. It forced me to go back and get a graduate certificate from MIT in educational mobile computing and and one from USF in instructional technology, web design, and and one from US, et cetera, et cetera, and then some industry certifications just so they can know that, yes, you know, it is me and, yes, I can do it. And and since I love to learn anyway, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I was, you know, terribly disappointed that I had to do, but I, I really felt that I had to do that in order to sort of legitimize my my sort of position um, that I'm trying to to move our company towards um, working in, in the coding area, 
coding education area. Amazing. Yeah, I when I was making my change, I well, it it seemed like a flip to a lot of people when I went from coding to writing books and what have you. People, I remember one particular person always saying to me, well, that's because you're technical. You're technical. You're technical. I said, no, I'm not. I, I am me. I, I like this and I like that. And, right. and then when I wrote my first book, the person really just did not know how to handle it. it I, she was like dumbfounded, respectful and, and supportive, but dumbfounded. <laughs> she couldn't right. wrap her brain right. around it, you know. And um, I well, just you know, remember that moment that, yeah. Yeah, it's just. Um, it, I think it's a both your story and and mine and and many many other um, the story of many other women is that we are we are multifaceted and multi talented and 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 you know a lot of times they would say um, you you remember that phrase um, jack of all trades and master of none so you really mm-hmm. you sort of have to refute that when you have you know, different interests and different talents and you can master more than one thing in this 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 life that we have, you know, where there are so many opportunities to learn. And speaking of books, now I am um actually writing a book um called Learning to Program with App Inventor, um, that's gonna be out in June. Um and it's to teach okay, youth how to code through yeah, through that platform and it's it's a it's it's with a with a press that's called No No Starch Press, and they're distributed by Penguin and Random House, and it has a lot of really like through creating a lot of really um, fascinating apps that use features like GPS and texting and camera t- uh, picture taking, etc. Just trying to teach those basic concepts. You and I have already talked about the programming concepts, and um, and so I hope I'll be able to teach and reach even more of our youth who, who, who often get left behind um, these important skills and, and processes. So do you have a website now that will or some way that they can contact you to, to keep up to date as to when it's going to be released? Well, I do not have my – this Christmas I'll be – Putting all the social media up about it, and um, uh, currently they would just contact me via my email to keep up with what's going on, and we'll be launching our LinkedIn and our other social media sites for for the book. And then uh, I I think by February the publisher will have it up on on their website with I think an early excerpt. So, but right now they would just contact me at Logan at fefonline.org, which is my email address. I think you might have that on the my email there on on your page um, where they can go ahead and well, contact me. Well, actually, about. I don't, but I will add it because this is also oh. available on demand, so someone can come back and listen to the program again and certainly get the information. It will be archived with um, Blog Talk Radio for NAVWIC, so I will add that to it. Um, oh, rest perfect. Assured. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so now when you're talking about the, the publishing industry, and we were also talking about the diversity of skills, it it 
brings to mind the fact that I had apologized for one day I seemed like I was doing this and another day I seemed like I was doing that. And then one day it occurred to me (laughs) that all of it was really supportive but viewed differently by people. One day I'm I'm writing the script for a video. Another day I'm publishing somebody else's book or ghostwriting or I'm writing my own. Or another day I'm I'm putting up a legacy wall um, depicting the history of a school. And I said, okay, Mm. so here's the deal. I had to come together, I had to pull together my thoughts about what I was doing, and that is I will capture, preserve, and present your personal or your business legacy information by any means possible. And I said, oh, okay. Is that, that's so that's your mission statement? Is that's, that the mission that's statement? That's what I do. Sula, that's too. Fabulous. Yes. That is what we do. We, and, and, in fact, the the thought of it is we make old new in everything we do. <laughs> Take an old story and make it new, old information and reshape it for the future. Because it's those life lessons that, that um, you and, and people like us and others around us have lived that we can pass on to others to shorten the process, um, keep right. them from having to go through that difficult learning process where, in fact, if they could start with what we already know, then you're good. Right, and then present so it to them. Point, I'm sure in, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I I was going to ask you if there was anything else you would like to share. Um, this is your opportunity because sometimes you have this in your head that you want to say something, and, and I just didn't ask, ask the right question. So what is it you would like to add? No, I actually um, I was I, w- I I am really pleased to connect with with Nabwick and with you um, um, in large part because of our our similar interests in encouraging you know women and other underserved uh, groups or under underrepresented groups in in science, technology, engineering, math, and construction, of course, um, to to go ahead and pursue um, pursue these these um, these careers and know that um, know that these careers are open to them and that they have a NABWIC and the Florida Education Fund and 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 other entities that will help them prepare um, educationally and otherwise to be successful in those careers. So I, I just want to thank you for. For um, I guess I, I was recommended to you from a friend, and I'm just glad that we got to meet and 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 sort of um, see the the like interest and goals and um, and I look forward to continuing to work with with Nabwick and its members. Well, thank you, and I look forward to that connection as well. In fact, um, this yeah. gives me an opportunity to mention that Robin. Um, Donaldson is in charge of education with NABWIC and she's working on a and has had along with Neville um, a STEM workshop for young people where they they designed the, the students designed the house and one of those homes is actually supposed to be built by one of the grandparents of a student 
So that's pretty awesome. So I'm going to make sure that Robin is uh, aware of what you do and maybe you all can connect as well um, for a mutual benefit of some yes, kind. thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for that You're connection. welcome. And thank you. And um, much success to you and your students and and to my listening audience. Thank you. And come back next week for another wonderful conversation with another great person. Wednesday, 8.30 a.m. Take care. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.